0: Dateline, 26th of November 2011.
1: Well, good day, folks and welcome back to the Australia Desk for this Bits and Pieces episode number 175. Grant, uh, well, it's uh, Thanksgiving weekend uh, we don't celebrate it here, but I've got lots to be thankful for. You know, I'm very thankful for the current strength of the Australian dollar. You know why? Well, have you been shopping online again? Uh, yes, yes, I, I may have been on Amazon and I've bought some more gear for the studio. Oh, well done, dude. Yes, I bought another piece of gear to add to my mixer, so happy days. And you know the other thing I'm thankful for, Grant? Yeah, what? I'm thankful for the fact that my wife is not here today, so she doesn't know I've done it.
0: (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. it's probably a good thing she doesn't listen to the show, right?
1: You better hide that credit card statement when it comes in. Uh, Good luck with that, mate. Well, Grant, let's talk about uh, Australia's burgeoning fleet of C-17s.
0: Yes, that's right. The RAAF are working towards parity with USAF, one aircraft at a time, and we are proceeding towards having a sixth, that's right, a sixth C-17. It's getting further and further through the process of being uh, authorised and so on, and authorised by the US and delivered will be at 3% of the USAF total.
1: So it's good to see that that uh, request is uh, being uh, you know advanced and going uh, further on down the line. I guess with the current state of the economy over in the US, so uh, they'll be looking for export dollars and uh, of course, you know, Australia has a very, very close uh, defence ties with the United States, so I'm, I'm sure that won't be a problem. And uh, 3%, you say? Yeah,
0: that's right, mate. 3% of the uh, USAF fleet, but uh, you know, we're not really as involved in as many uh, activities and so on. We don't have as uh, many people and as much stuff to haul, but You know, currently we've got these uh, four C-130Hs just parked at Richmond. I mean, you know, what are they going to do with them, mate?
1: Well, I guess uh, it's glad those extra C-17s are coming because those C-130Hs are being gifted (laughs) – given away by our government. They've been retired by the Air Force, uh, four of these C-130Hs. They're being uh, gifted to the government of Indonesia for uh, humanitarian and other work.
0: Ah, oh, interesting, isn't it? Right at the same time that Indonesia was just kicking up a bit of a stink about uh, the US Marines coming down to train and a larger US presence being uh, based permanent, pretty much permanently here in Australia. And uh, what do you know? Oh, they're going to get some C-130s. The Royal Na- Australian Navy is uh, going to do more patrolling in their area to help prevent people smugglers. And look, they're also getting a pretty good deal on 24 refurbished C- F-16 C&D models.
1: Yeah, of course, those F-16s are coming from the uh, United States Air Force. But uh, the C-130Hs were uh, ordered by uh, the Royal Australian Air Force uh, way back in 1978. So they've, they've been around a long time, these aircraft. Uh, of course, the mainstay of our uh, C-130 fleet these days are uh, C-130Js. So these ones, are, I guess, are being gradually phased out. Uh, these aircraft to be given away. They require apparently about $25 million worth of maintenance to restore them to airworthiness. Uh and they were due to be sold on the open market, but uh, there you go. Oh, it'd yeah. be interesting to know, actually, Grant, what the open market would be for uh, C-130s. I know Lockheed made, I think it's the L-100, which was a civilian version of that aircraft, but uh, yep. you, you don't admittedly see too many of those around. You certainly don't see them down in Melbourne, where we live, but, uh, you know, it'd be interesting <laughs> to know. I guess uh, David could help us out with that in the next episode that's not a bits and pieces.
0: Well, don't forget they are also, there's some C-130 A's were being used for uh, firebombing and things like that, till one's wing ripped off. So, baby, you you might find a few of them being used there or possibly working in Africa, things like that. It's it's amazing where uh, old military workhorses go to uh,
1: fly out the rest of their days. Yes, I guess they've been
0: dumped. Oh, and speaking of dumped, mate, 23 F-111s have been dumped in landfill near uh, RAAF Amberley, much to the disgust of a number of fans and uh, local residents.
1: That's really a, a really inauspicious way to get rid of these aircraft that uh, served our nation for, for nearly 40 years, Grant. I'm, I'm surprised. I mean, we know they had to dismantle them, but I'm really surprised at that.
0: Basically, there's a couple being kept as gate guardians at the uh, RWF Amberley's Heritage Centre. Seven of the jets are going up to eligible museums and historical organisations, but uh, as they're saying here, it will be left to future archaeologists to study the remains of 23 F-111s buried at Swanbank. So apparently that really annoyed one of the Ipswich councillors who's quoted as saying, 50 years of Australian history down the drain.
1: Now, Grant, uh, let's move on to the uh, the never-ending saga of the uh, Qantas dispute. And uh, we reported uh, several weeks back that Qantas boss Alan Joyce had uh, been out in the media with his uh, his you know his highly paid PR team talking about some death threats that have been made to him uh, by supposedly by union members.
0: That's right. And uh, continuing the theme of dumping, Qantas have directed police to suspend the inquiry into threats. Qantas have basically dumped it. So they make a big media PR thing about death threats and really bad. And you know, I'm not saying that they didn't get a couple of things. Maybe it's quite possible they did have a couple of nasty grams sent to them and uh, you know, a car window broken is potentially happening. After making a really big thing out of these death threats and trying to indicate that maybe it was the unions behind it, the whole thing's been dropped and the police have been uh, have decided to suspend the investigation because Qantas are no longer going to push charges.
1: Of course this has been a uh, pretty much a free shot for the unions who have dismissed this as a public relations stunt. Uh, interestingly, Qantas uh, had no comment this week about the the issue. So uh, interestingly wow. that it, uh, they can make lots of comments about it, uh, you know, when it suits their, their agenda, but uh, it's a shame that uh, if, if this indeed was something that was perhaps a little bit non-genuine at, at worst, and perhaps at best something that was, uh, you know, uh, a minor thing that was uh, blown up for political purposes, well, um, it's a shame that they're not getting out and addressing that now.
0: That, of course, has also cost the taxpayer a fair bit of money to have a police task force put together to start the investigations. Those police have not been able to work on other, perhaps more realistic issues. So, yeah, a bit bad all round, and yet another black mark against Qantas and in fact one situation they've had some problems has been their uh, recent online competition under the hashtag Qantas Luxury people were to say what they thought about Qantas Luxury and, and how good it was to uh, win a first class amenities pack and some first class pajamas but unfortunately it all turned around and uh, within uh, half an hour to an hour of it going live it was taken over by people uh, commenting on Qantas Luxury as, uh, or aircraft flying uh, not being dumped at a a, uh, at a foreign airport, uh, one was Qantas luxury was uh, using a bottle of water to have a shower over a toilet because uh, they were stuck in an airport. You know things like this, so it really went bad for them.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, Grant. You know, actually, you know, Qantas. Um, I actually think they you know, use their social media uh, outlets um, fairly well. They're, they're they're quite prominent there. The Qantas Travel Insider is a, a pretty good example of that, and um, usually Qantas is usually uh, pretty good with their uh, their social media participation and engagement. Uh, in this case. Though so the timing just couldn't have been worse. And you've got to wonder, um, you know, how, how that arm of their uh, PR department didn't know what, what else was going on in the rest of the company. At any other time, they uh, probably could have uh, used this to, to great effect. And, you know, uh, it's all about uh, getting your brand out there. But uh, I noticed here, Grant, that even uh, Virgin Australia got in on the act. They put in a tweet here saying, We think great service is the cat's pajamas. <laughs> 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 so, well done. Yeah, so there you go. So, boy, you know, we really want to. Uh, it sounds like we're getting down on quarters, which is a real shame because there's a lot of bad news coming out about them. At the moment, uh, and it's a shame because you know, on a personal level, we know a lot of Qantas staff, and they're all great people. And it's it's a shame that uh, these sort of shenanigans that are going on at a political and a management, and uh, I guess at a union level, are, are really sort of tarnishing uh, a lot of the great work that they do. So, you know, we we really hope that uh, over time that um, you know, and it is going to take a long time. In fact, the uh, dispute has now been pushed into compulsory arbitration, which is going to drag on for months. But uh, hopefully, there'll be a, an outcome that's going to be positive for everybody at the end, because uh, you know, as much as it makes a lot of news for us, we don't like to keep reporting. Bad news about Qantas.
0: Yeah, no, it's just been so dang easy to report on Qantas for the last month or so because they've been making it that way. Who else can you talk about but the fact that they're doing all these crazy things and the timing of this competition? But you know, speaking of timing, uh, one of the other things that's come up recently is that uh, Tiger our favourite uh, punching bag <laughs> is actually leading the way with on-time arrivals and departures, and Qantas is at the bottom of the pack.
1: be interesting to see how they've measured that too, Grant, because um, you know, Tiger has had no shortage of problems of its own this year, and of course it has a hugely smaller fleet than what Qantas does. They've got
0: a smaller fleet, and they're also being restricted to much less uh, routes than they had before. They're only just being allowed now to expand to additional uh, services and routes, and uh, I think as such... What what we're seeing is that if Tiger have the right number of aircraft for the right number of routes, they can actually work on time and not have as many problems that one aircraft going out flows on so badly. Before when the uh, when they got grounded they were really stretched they, they were really working those aircraft and one little hiccup would flow through the whole on time performance for the day and if not the next day. Whereas now that they're not trying to stretch those aircraft as far
1: I think they're doing a lot better. And of course now uh, recently in the last week or two they've been given a Approval to go back to a pretty much a full shed, operating schedule. So if they're going to be uh, going back and expanding to all the ports they used to run to, well my tip is that uh, their on-time uh, performance is going to drop just as it did before. And uh, as we mentioned last week, the uh, newly uh, rebranded Air Australia could potentially find itself in a, a similar sort of situation if it doesn't watch very carefully what, uh, what's what been going on with Tiger in that regard. CASA have now cleared them to uh, 32 weekly flights, which is
0: still well below pre-suspension numbers. But it is a step towards that full level once again.
1: It's a good luck to Tiger Airways there. And, uh, you know, uh, as we said with Qantas, uh, I guess, uh, you know, we, we can only hope that uh, good things happen as a result of all the trouble they've been having. Now, we've talked about just about every airline in Australia this week, except for Virgin. So, uh, Grant, they've had some good news. Their their earnings are up and their new booking system is on the way. And boy, do they need a new booking system.
0: <laughs> yeah. After the fun they had in September last year, where the airline had 11 days of turmoil, costing approximately $20 million, the IT company Navitaire reached an undisclosed settlement earlier this year. So now that they've got that behind them, they're they're telling them in the nicest possible way to go get stuffed and they're doing it by taking their money and giving it to Sabre and Virgin will implement the Sabre booking system across their entire operation.
1: Hmm, interesting stuff, Grant. And uh, interesting too that even though their earnings are up, they still reported a $67.8 million loss for 2010-2011. Uh, so uh, I guess that's reflecting, they've had a lot of uh, cross with buying new aircraft and stuff over the last uh, couple of years. So I guess it takes a long time uh, to recover from that financially, but I'm sure that uh, as a result of all the shenanigans going on at Qantas, that their earnings uh, will be up uh, quite a lot over the next uh, six months, if I had to guess.
0: Yeah, well, they're certainly getting people coming on virgin that wouldn't have otherwise, and they're just hoping that a good percentage of those people decide, hey, this is pretty good, this is what I was wanting, I'll stay.
1: Yep, now speaking of aircraft uh, in our skies that none of us will ever ride on, uh, let's have a talk about UAVs before we wrap up, Grant, and it looks like the Civil Aviation Safety Authority is launching a review of the uh, decade-old rules governing civilian use of unmanned aerial vehicles
0: that's right. CASA's pretty uh, pretty much right on the forefront of working with UAVs and uh, how they can work in civilian airspace and so on. There's actually a block of airspace uh, down towards the south end of the bay here and near Melbourne that's used for uh, UAV testing and so on. Of course, these are smaller ones, not the really big ones like a Predator and so on. But yeah, they're, they're doing a fair bit of work on it. And as such, they're uh, reviewing the rules that, which were drafted a fair while ago. So they're going to update all these to reflect everything that they've learned so far.
1: CASA boss, John, McCormick was out in the media this week uh, talking about exactly that, talking about the uh, the increase in this sector and there's been um, you know huge strides in development over uh, let's say the last decade in unmanned aerial vehicles. So it, it's something that we know that uh, they're talking about in other uh, regulatory authorities around the world. So Australia really has to keep pace with that and it looks like here that they're saying that uh, basically at the moment each application of an unmanned aircraft is basically classed as a standalone exercise and requires all sorts of no tams and all that sort of stuff to go out. So I think what they're looking to do is perhaps modernise that system and uh, take into account the idea that uh, these aircraft are going to be more prevalent in our skies in years to come, and so there needs to be a more uh, efficient and, uh, you know, frankly, a safer way to do that.
0: Whether we like it or not, UAVs are going to be part of the civilian airspace. And uh, advances in see and avoid systems for those UAVs, advances in uh, guidance and control and reliability, it's going to happen. Whether we're all on pilotless drones flying between Sydney and Melbourne, that's a whole different thing. And personally, I've ha- I've seen one too many blue screens of death and heard one too many stories about issues on the flight deck for me to ever want to do that but it's coming and uavs hauling freight uavs doing uh, photography runs uh, power line inspections it's all going to happen so let's see uh, where all this goes
1: Absolutely. Now, Grant, uh, we still haven't had a winner yet in our uh, Grilla Geek segment, the Australia Desk version of the Grilla Geek segment. We have had some very close guesses. Max has had some people that are pretty close, but uh, yeah, it's not quite right. So Max is going to talk about that and uh, perhaps narrow those search parameters just a little. We'll let it run. I've sent Max the answer, so Max knows what it is, Grant. And I'll send an audio clip of that, so we might run the answer to that in 176. And uh, perhaps if nobody pings the episode number uh, exactly, then uh, we might uh, have the closest to the mark.
0: Oh, that or else you just get to keep all those Airplane Geeks buttons.
1: Yes, absolutely. Or, you know, we'll get Rob to send us some more.
0: Yeah, why not? Why not? I mean, you haven't quite fully decked out that entire jacket yet.
1: (laughs) That's right. I'll just come back to the States next year and um, liberate some more from his office. (laughs) There you go. Well, Hoshkosh is just around the corner. Okay, and while I contemplate that, I'm going to go off and uh, hit the edit desk. Until next week, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm still Grant McCarron. You're still Grant McCarron. Yeah. Even on these bits and pieces episodes.